This is the Witch's Diagnostic Podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Dancing Otter. This is season two, and we're talking about breaking spells and moving into the capacity of going into illusion and breaking it apart so that we can really hold what it is to be alive and human at this time. Welcome to the conversation. This recording is taking place on Lekwungen traditional territory. These are the traditional homelands of what are known now as the Esquimalt and Songhees First Nations. This is unceded and stolen land, and I am a settler. And my hope is that I continue to learn, to grow, and to do my best to walk in a good way on these lands. Welcome to the Witch's Diagnostic. This is season two focusing on breaking spells. I'm your host, Dawn Dancing Otter. And today I'm gonna talk a little bit about the Wheel of the Year, um, the Irish pagan archetypal Wheel of the Year and its meaningfulness and the first chapter of Breaking Spells, which I'll call the Thievery of Grief. Um, So the Wheel of the Year, in early Irish pagan practice was a way for human beings to relate to nature and to create a a relatable and definable way of understanding their own nature as humans. And these days in our dominant culture narrative, The idea is that human beings don't really have a nature and that, you know, we have this environment that we learn through nurturing, that our human nature is really questionable. And the Wheel of the Year was a way for us to really understand that human beings had um, relational nature. Um, So the wheel took us into eight directions, or takes us into eight directions, and each direction is represented by a a significant time of the year. There were four lunar points in the the wheel and four solar points. The lunar points were, um, it's debatable, but uh, what I have learned is that they were celebrated on the full moon of that time of year and the solar points were the equinoxes and the solstices and so the solar points were generally um, considered to be less important the lunar points were uh, considered to be the more important um, noted festivals or feasts and all of this knowledge is now being reclaimed and and brought forward so that we can start to learn from it again. The Wheel of the Year, one of the reasons I think it's such an important teaching is that we start to realize that all things that are human experiences are important experiences, that they all belong. So in lots of other spiritual traditions, you know, uh, we aim at, uh, 
you know, being unattached or we aimed at, we aim at being um, non-dualistic or, or pure or sanctified. And really the wheel of the year takes us into understanding that human experiences are all a manner of learned sacredness and, you know, the recognition that as we move through different phases of life, that we're in a different learning each time in each place. And that that's important. And not only is that important, but it's sacred. And I don't mean to compare other um, spiritual practices to paganism. I would say that paganism is the underlying spiritual practice. It was earlier than most other spiritual practices. It was an indigenous practice that uh, was very earth-based and came from observing nature and observing nature over a very extended period of time. So not just a few years, but thousands of years. And in the early Irish people, this was their their way of being in a scientific and indigenous practice. And I say scientific because science is really uh, the course of observing, you know, observing for uh, patterns and recording those patterns and, you know, experimenting based on those patterns and really Paganism is that as well. The wheel of the year has emerged not from, you know, you know, some great thunderclap of of understanding, but really emerged through many, 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 many hundreds of years of observation of nature. So all things, including aspects of living that we don't think are very spiritual, like hedonism or like um, like the void, like emptiness, uh, or like grief. All of these things are really not seen necessarily as spiritual experiences in kind of neo-spiritual practices. And I would say that these neo-spiritual practices are not improvements. I have to say that they're illusory. They create this idea that if you come above your nature, that somehow you can escape, that you can transcend or ascend or, you know, you're, you're above it then. I mean, I've heard everything from, uh, you know, some Christians talking about the rapture to um, neo-spiritualists talk about ascension in this way as though we can just kind of scrap human nature, human being. And my way of thinking is that the human living is a sacred walk. It's a sacred observance that our consciousness comes from bringing together worlds, unseen worlds. And so the wheel of the year, the Irish wheel of the year, the pagan ways, it acknowledges that there are unseen realms, that the realms of the ancestors and the realms of 
the unseen beings and that walk between worlds. But these are all relationally combining energies in, in through our walk in this world. They're contributing forces. And that human beings can, through their capacity, resource all of these unseen realms and, and live more ceremonially to walk intentionally in sacredness. And to me, this is what the Wheel of the Year represents. And it's as old as, as old is. It's as old as we can imagine. And um, it is being reclaimed because there has been serious attempt uh, through, you know, religion and, and now through kind of the tyrannical forces of, um, you know, science. When I say the tyrannical forces of science, it's the idea that spiritualism is competing with science is kind of crazy. Um, that uh, indigenous practices were our first science. They were and they are our first engaged sciences. And that they're not really different from each other. I just think that now it's not, it's very popular to tread upon spiritualism and make it an opposite force to what would be considered scientific. Um, that essentially the wheel of the year is, is science. It's an early form of science. And that reclamation that people can make of uh, our ancestors and the way that our ancestors related to human nature as beings of nature um, can help us to walk a more integral path. And if we, we tap in, we start to recognize we are like sacred timekeepers in our own lives, that there is a time and that we're not meant to be these kind of endless consumers, not, not meant to be really these endless producers or endless progressives, um, that there's time for rest and there's time for stillness. There's time for observance, just like in nature when things quiet uh, in this place of the north, that's kind of winter time, you know, everything goes a bit quiet. That human beings have this nature as well. We're not endlessly productive, but we have these times of, of stillness and quiet. So these next um, episodes of the Witches Diagnostic are dedicated towards creating a um, bit of a, a, an insight into um, some pagan teachings around the Wheel of the Year. So the Northwest is the first direction I'm going to talk about and might spend a couple of episodes on the Northwest and the time of year that is represented on at this uh, direction of the wheel is called Samhain. And the way that's spelled in uh, the Irish language is S-A-M-H-A-I-N. Um, it's not pronounced Samhain, <laughs> it's Samhain. Um, Samhain is a really pivotal point of the year. It's a day apart. It's a gateway to the ancestors. And the reason it's so significant is because life 
didn't start with your birth. Life didn't start with my birth. My story didn't start there. Your story didn't start there. We began far before that. And Samhain helps us to acknowledge that the beginning of our lives started before our lives began, before we became earthside, before we came out of the womb, or even before we were inside of the womb. But really, the lineages of creative potential existed far before our birth. Um, some of the lore um, and mythology describes how we are prayed or sung into being, that our ancestors pray, they sing, because they're going through something maybe that's very challenging, and that life springs forward from those prayers. And life springs forward to answer those prayers. And that indeed, those prayers become formative and somewhat protect us even. That the wisdom that comes from our ancestors protects us because there has been you know, thousands of years of observation, thousands of years of trial and error, thousands of years of scientific experimentation around living that is resourceable if we are observing that. And one of the things that I notice with people I work with, because I do a lot of work with trauma recovery, is that uh, grief or passage or loss is one of those things that in this part of the world at this time of human development, we don't really have a place for it. We don't really have an appreciation for it. And there are lots of um, other people that would note that and would back me up on that assertion. Uh, one author uh, that I recommend on this subject, his name is uh, Stephen Jenkinson. But uh, there have been also many others that talk about grief in this way, that there is a sacredness to grief. And someone recognizes that it's part of our human nature to get attached to each other, to weave in, to, win, to weave into each other's lives. And that we should want for that, that there is healthy attachment. There is such a thing as healthy attachment. That now psychologists talk about healthy attachment all the time. Um, I was just, uh, again, tapping into some um, Gabor Mate and listening to some of his work. And yeah, that whole healthy attachment, especially early in life, that creates the capacity for us to feel secure and safe in this world so that when we go to create, we feel like we've got some foundation. We're not looking over our shoulders, you know, for something that's chasing us down. We're not, you know, we're not constantly living in reaction. And I would say the fact that we mostly don't have a place for grief to live. We don't really give it space. In fact, we tend to run from it and we tend to not have any sacredness around it. Um, even when you go to a funeral, most of the time people will use sort of avoidance statements with someone who is grieving, like, um, you know, oh, the person who passed is in a better place, or at least they're not suffering anymore. And 
you know, those things may or may not be true. And they're usually spoken in a well-meaning way. But there's really nothing you can say to grief. There's really nothing you can say to loss. You can really just hold it. And Samhain, Samhain's not just specifically about grief, but recognizing that you come from someone. You come from some people. You come from somewhere. And you may or may not know that lineage. You may or may not have access to that. I've spoken to various people in my life, you know, some who know, you know, the land that they're, you know, 12 generations back, you know, lived on. And some Indigenous folk that are in my world know where their people are from 5,000 years back um, or longer. Um, some people don't even know the first names of their great grandparents or, you know, where those great grandparents may have come from. Some people don't have access because they were, um, you know, they, they didn't know their parents or lineage. Some people are researching that through, you know, um, places that do DNA uh, types of, of, um, of matches and searches. And lineage is something that is deeply sacred. If you really invite that knowledge, it's deeply sacred because it's not just about people. It's about traditions and culture. It's about songs and dances and prayers. It's about, um, you know, it's about weaving. It's about artisan work. It's about the things that were in the mundane world of those who came before and how they moved through it, um, how they created and weaved meaning into their world. When you start to realize that you're part of that, that this uh, iteration of lineage that you're walking is meaningful because it came from somewhere, it, it grounds you into your relationship to place. And relationship to place is so important, especially now where we're in this kind of global environment where a lot of people, you know, where maybe not many generations on the land where you're living now. And there's a lot of, of blood in the land from what has happened over time. Relationship to place helps us to orient ourselves to the meaningfulness of our lives and helps us to come into relationship with what we are supposed to take on as responsibility. Um, so instead of, of wondering what your life is supposed to be about, you start to know, you start to know something about what your life is supposed to be about. which is diagnostic will return in just a moment. You can get a hold of me, Dawn Dancing Otter, at my website, theweaveworkschool.com, for coaching, for healing arts, and for any classes that I might be offering on trauma healing with animism-based lineage. 
You can also help us out by sharing this podcast broadly with your network and also by subscribing through Patreon. And we're at patreon.com, The Witch's Diagnostic. Thanks for tuning in today. To honor Samhain, one might do a ceremony on the regular of creating an ancestor's plate. And this is something that I really recommend. It's it's beautiful honoring that when you're serving food to your family to create an ancestor's plate where you put some of what you're eating on that plate. And then, you know, you, after the meal, you take that plate and you put it either beside a tree or um, out in a field and you allow the ancestors to take that food however they want to through um, animals or through insects or through the the elements, but to take that food um, and share it. And a lot of this helps us to recognize that everything eats. So the lore in mythology would tell us that the ancestors, if we acknowledge them, if we make them part of our lives, that we can actually access and resource their wisdom, that they will share with us, that it is a a wealth and a bounty. But when we ignore our ancestors, we shut the door um, that they rattle, they'll rattle that door because there is a need that all beings have to be fed. And to be fed, one, one must share, you know, to be fed, we all must share. So we share some of the bounty of what we're able to gather together in this present moment with that which has come before us. And even if that is only symbolic, I believe it's very important because that signal that we create to our to our relationship to our lineage and our ancestors through that type of a ceremony that communicates to us that our that our meaningfulness has lineage that our meaningfulness comes from somewhere before and is weaved in to those before times so we're not wandering in space in this kind of meaningless existence and human beings we like to make meaning that is something that we're really good at we like to create story and i believe we're all really designed to do that that's part of human nature and that if we include our lineage in those stories if we include our um, the depth of what has sung us into being is part of our story that enriches us, that brings so much. Even if some of those stories are tragic, you know, even if some of those stories have us overcoming so much, that we have overcome so much because we have. It, it's an astronomically unlikely thing that you would come into being if you think about the kind of uh, things that have to come together to create exactly who you are. That all of those, those elements coming together to create exactly who you are, 
the way that you are, your specific makeup, your specific character, your specific nature, that you yourself are a miracle. And that your miracle has somewhat of a stamp of intention that comes from before you. There's acknowledgement of this. It, it, it enriches us and grounds us. I know for myself that being enriched and grounded in lineage and to know that and, and to walk on lands where my people come from, to walk on those lands, to recognize the the weaves and the accents and the dances and the songs and, and the music and the poetry, the writings, the teachings, that to, to walk in those stone circles where my people worshipped, to, to know and be a part of that deep lineage of thousands of years of spirituality, that has changed me to my core, that has grounded me. And I believe that that is real spirituality. When we start to really see how connected we are and how much people have tried, you know, hard people have tried in our lineage to either do the right thing or to survive or to save someone or to save themselves or to keep they're keep holding on to land, keep holding on to relationship to place or keep nurturing to keep going forward. It is deeply moving to feel that energy, even though probably most of it was just about as mundane as most people just doing their dishes every day. You as a person, your people have overcome so much just to bring you here. And that's inspiring to me to know that, that feels deeply meaningful. And even if my life doesn't become, you know, a level of peak experience that might be considered successful, I feel like I have, I have been successful as myself because I am walking as a, person of lineage and the other thing that happens for me in lineage and and hearing you know the the language of my people knowing that i come from somewhere that observed something for thousands of years on land for thousands of years what that does is it makes me um, satisfied deeply satisfied deeply fed so that I'm not hungry to consume the, the cultures of other people. I'm not trying to establish meaningfulness in my life by taking on some foreign religion or some foreign culture that isn't part of my lineage. And that as I walk it with integrity, um, I start to really get also the indigenous cultures of other people and how they're walking on the land. So as I, I journey in this world and I start to observe that, I start to understand why it's meaningful, why it, it is so important to preserve and honor these traditions. And 
the Northwest or Samhain is this festival, this time now is celebrated on October 31st, November 1st, um, but would have been celebrated so far as the teachings I've studied and the lineage I've studied uh, would have been celebrated at the full moon of October. Um, that that time of Samhain is powerful for observing the gateway of our ancestors and to relate deeply in this in this gateway to that which has come before us. And now, of course, you know, dominant culture has turned that into Halloween. Um, so it's it has deeply lost its meaning. Um, and some of that is uh, religious paranoia. You know, people used to dress like, uh, you know, ghoulies and ghosts and demons and you know, and of course, it's a time of year where entertainment likes to release a lot of like scary movies and, you know, all of that is, you know, whatever, notwithstanding, there is a lot of like religious religiosity that would say that this, that Samhain is a dark time, and really, you know, religious um, ways of thinking. And I'm now pointing my finger right at, you know, Catholicism and Christianity. Um, making the evil uh, darkness around some of uh, our lore and our mythology in, in early Irish culture, um, some of the archetypes such as the Morrigan um, and Klepta and these, these darker crone type figures that, that remind us of this gateway of, of the ancestors and this gateway of um, what we might call the shadow side or darkness. And when you think about it, it's the time of year where it's starting to move into winter and we're, move, we're not right at solstice where it's the first day of winter, but we're moving into those darker times. It's definitely um, the, the nights are longer and moving into these darker times is a deep honoring and a wealth and an abundance of, of silence, of expansiveness, of, of dreaming, of, of spiritual wealth, and, and also of ancestry. And so if we move into honoring Samhain as not Halloween, not time to dress like sexy kitty or you know, to dress up in ridiculous costumes, but actually is a time of year to celebrate our ancestors and remember them. Some of the ceremonies that I might suggest would maybe be to uh, find out some names that are accessible to you. If they are accessible to you, find out some ancestral names and to speak those or maybe find out if, if there are um, stories that were important to your lineage if there were myths, if there were songs, if there were poems, um, maybe you even have artwork or weave work or artisanry that was important to your lineage. It's a time to take these things out and to honor them and to, to speak those names. And to do so, I believe, is only going to enrich our walk in this world and strengthen us and tie us into something deeper and help us to walk in this, in this more invested and rooted way. Instead of uh, being superficial on the land, we can be deeply connected to the land. 
And I offer this as um, an deeply important, of deep importance. And uh, so thanks for joining me this week. And I'll talk a little bit more about grief next time and the Northwest next time. I'll see you next week. You've been listening to The Witch's Diagnostic, hosted by Dawn Dancing Otter. If you enjoyed this podcast and you'd like to support our work, please subscribe via patreon.com, The Witch's Diagnostic, and subscribe at the various tiers, $5, $10, or $15 a month. Those at the premier VIP tiers will be given the opportunity to have some exclusive content. Thank you for tuning in and thank you for subscribing and supporting our work.